Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Monday, October 17th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. There's a new Hollywood drug on the scene, but it's not a party drug. It's a drug that's used to treat diabetes. People are looking to Ozempic and similar drugs used to treat type 2 diabetes as a quick fix for weight loss. These drugs have an ingredient called semaglutide, which stimulates insulin production, but also targets areas of the brain that regulate appetite. Sarah Ashley O'Brien, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for how doctors are urging caution as it's gaining in popularity. Next, scientists have transplanted clumps of cells that resemble the brain into rats with the hopes that it could help study autism, epilepsy, and schizophrenia. The experiments involve a new technique that takes skin cells and changes them into stem cells. These cells are then implanted into the rat brains and they quickly form connections. Mark Johnson, science reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for how it works and the ethical concerns behind it. Finally, the housing market has cooled and the crazy bidding wars are over. For those still trying to sell their homes, they're remodeling properties to avoid cutting prices. But not all projects have equal payoff. Veronica Dagger, personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for the repairs that will help you sell your home. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. You've been trying to lose weight for 25 years. You've never succeeded. And, uh, and so this gentleman came in uh, literally raving about this medicine. He'd lost about 20 pounds and it had been so drama free. Joining us now is Sarah Ashley O'Brien, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Well, there's a new Hollywood drug out there. It's not what you think, though. It's not a party drug. It's actually a diabetes drug. A lot of people out there are starting to look to uh, a drug called Ozempic, another uh, drug called Wegovy that's used to treat people with type 2 diabetes, you know, and other uh, chronic medical conditions. It helps to treat the diabetes. Uh, one of the side effects is it also helps to some people to lose weight. And that's exactly why people are seeking this out as kind of a quick fix to start losing some weight. So, Sarah, tell us what we're seeing with this. So, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, Ozempic is a drug for type 2 diabetes, but the underlying kind of active ingredient of the drug is also used for a weight loss drug by the same manufacturer. It's called Wagovi. Now, when we talk about weight loss in Wagovi, though, it's for people who are obese or overweight with certain, you know, weight-related underlying health conditions. So people who meet a certain BMI who have underlying conditions, it is not meant for 
kind of the casual weight loss use case, um, just someone who wants to lose 5, 10 pounds kind of quickly for an occasion, things like that for aesthetic purposes. But that's kind of where things are getting a little bit murky is that some people are kind of finding out that, you know, this drug is used for weight loss in certain people and people that don't meet the use cases are trying to get their hands on it and in some cases are. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, these drugs are approved by the FDA, but, uh, you know, they're trying to use this as quick fixes. And even when you look at, let's say, Ozempic and some of their advertising that they do on TV, you know, they list that as one of the benefits. You know, you uh, some people lose up to 12 pounds in the first couple months or whatever the, the wording is. So right mm-hmm. away, yeah, that, that, that is caught some people's eyes. Tell me about the cost for this, because it's always a, a big consideration for Ozempic and for Wegovi. Um, you know, there's different price points. Sure. So Ozempic costs um, about $900 at the list price, um, which will get you about a month's supply. Um, and sometimes insurance companies will cover some of that cost for those who are using it for type 2 diabetes. Um, now, if you're getting an off-label Ozempic prescription, which might be somebody who qualifies for Wagovi, someone who is obese or overweight but can't get their hands on Wagovi, there have been supply chain issues with Wagovi. So someone in that case um, might be paying out of pocket that $900, right? Um, which is mostly um, if you're paying for it every month. Now, yeah. Wagovi's well, list price is a little bit higher. It's uh, 1350 and it can be a bit harder to get weight loss drugs covered by insurance companies. Now, doctors are generally able to prescribe medications off-label as they see fit. So, you know, if they want to prescribe this to somebody that's totally within their purview, but, you know, there's a lot of concerns that can happen with this, right? Because these drugs are meant to treat people primarily with diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and, and these are kind of other side effects. And they're also meant for a, a, as long-term treatments. And, you know, people that are using them in the short term, you know, it's not necessarily designed that way. And so there's, uh, you know, a side of other side effects that can happen and people say it messes with my stomach different things like that that's right you know um doctors as you said you know they, they're free to use their medical discretion to prescribe off-label um but it is important to note you know i, I spoke to novo nordis the manufacturer of, of wagovi and of ozempic and they said you know we're not looking at weight loss for cosmetic purposes or episodic weight loss for people who don't fit the criteria for the fda approved label indications for these drugs. So the drugs have not been studied in people that have lower BMIs that do not have underlying, you know, health conditions that would qualify for that, them for the drugs. And like with anything, you know, there are always kind of side effects to drugs. And I spoke to a doctor who, you know, had patients who were taking the drug for health conditions mm-hmm. and had to come off of them after coming uh, getting pancreatitis, which is one of the listed side effects. Those with history, family history of thyroid cancer are not supposed to take these drugs. So anytime you know, you're introducing a drug into your body, you have to kind of be cognizant of the potential risks associated with that. And if you're an otherwise healthy individual who does not need to take them for one of these specific purposes, then you could be unnecessarily sort of exposing yourself to risk. Yeah. To their point, right? They said that we're not looking into these things as a weight loss drug, but that's long been like that holy grail of something. You know, the people always want that quick fix. That's been something that people have been searching for for a long time. And case in point, right now, people are searching it out all over the place. You made mention of uh, some doctors in Beverly Hills and other places that their their mm-hmm. patients are just saying, hey, how do I get my hands on Ozempic or some of these other ones? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the lore of like a quick fix 
is something that a lot of people have long sort of desired. Um, but even with these drugs, the manufacturer says even, you know, if you're using Wagovi, you're obese or you're overweight with these underlying conditions, like you still need to have lifestyle changes, right? Dietary changes, exercise, all of that is, is not sort of a, you take this drug and, and don't need to alter any other aspects of your life. No, you still need to kind of have like a healthy lifestyle and things like that. And, and what you said about, you know, targeting areas of the brain that regulate the appetite, that's the thought is that when you when you stop taking the drug, you know, some of the hunger cues may come back if you, you know, can't, if you sort of have a chronic condition. Sarah Ashley O'Brien, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You can take somebody who has a brain disorder, take a skin cell from them and turn it into a brain cell and and watch the way that this particular brain disorder affects that cell. Joining us now is Mark Johnson, science reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to talk about a really interesting thing that's going on right now, some experiments that are happening. You know, when we talk about transplants and animals and humans, we're always thinking a lot of times pigs. We're thinking about pig organs going into humans. This is kind of the reverse. Right now, uh, researchers just transplanted basically human brain tissue into rats, and they think this is going to help them study things like autism, epilepsy, schizophrenia, other intellectual disabilities. But man, the way they did this thing is so interesting and, uh, you know, very very crazy, very science fiction-y almost, I guess. Mark, tell us a little bit more about this. They were using a relatively recent technology that allows scientists to take a skin cell from someone and basically turn it into any other kind of cell. It's done in stages. They go back to something that's the equivalent of an embryonic stem cell, and then they coax it forward in the developmental process, and it can become a brain cell or any other kind of cell. And what's useful about this is that you can take somebody who has a brain disorder, take a skin cell from them, and turn it into a brain cell and and watch the way that this particular brain disorder affects that cell. And in this case, they can watch the disease process take shape in a rat, which is phenomenal. As you mentioned, they created these little clumps of cells that resemble part of a brain. They call them organoids, which is a cool little name there. And then, um, so then what they did was that they injected them, the human brain tissue, into the brains of baby rats, uh, two or three days old. And then they saw the next interesting part, right? They started making connections. The human tissue and the rat tissue started making connections. The scientists actually, once the human tissue was injected, they didn't have to do anything to get the rat to respond. The rat's own brain cells began to form connections with the human brain tissue and actually began to incorporate the human brain tissue into the the rat brain system, into the machinery of the rat's brain. The researchers there obviously did confer with ethicists and all that. You know, the worry is, could uh, these animals become more human or something, right? Now that you're putting part of human uh, brain tissues in there, uh, how did they kind of decide on all this? In this case, you have to keep in mind that the amount of human cells injected was very, very tiny. So it wouldn't be enough to have a large effect, like to humanize the rat, basically. It's enough to allow them to watch a human disease affect a rat. And what's interesting about that is normally we've been able to watch brain diseases take place in a lab dish, but the problem is that you don't get to see the way 
those cells are affected by the environment around them, that the environment that surrounds the brain, um, whereas in this case, you do get to see that. And where were the cells sourced? Because this is part of it, right? You want to see how these cells would affect the rat brain, how it would grow in there. And at least for one of the experiments, they took skin cells from a person that had a rare genetic condition called Timothy syndrome. Uh, it has characteristics of autism and, and epilepsy. So how did that experiment play out? Well, it was very interesting because they were able to use the rat as kind of a comparison between both diseased brain cells and healthy brain cells. They injected the diseased brain cells into half of the rat's brain, then injected into the other half healthy cells. So they were able to make comparisons and see what was happening in the diseased cells that made it different from the healthy cells. And there was a, a yet another more complex experiment where they were using a, like a, a, the frequency of a blue laser light to kind of train the rats whether, whether to expect water or not. And they saw that the, the human cells kind of mixed together, right? And then very quickly, they started responding to that blue light training. Right. It's almost a Pavlovian uh, kind of training um, in which the rats were trained to respond to this blue light on their, uh, on their brain cells. It would set up the expectation that they would receive water. And they were able to, the scientists beamed in this light on fiber optic cables um, and discovered that the rats grew to associate the blue light with receiving water, which shows that the, uh, the implanted human cells are not only inside the brain of the rat, but they're also participating in this yeah. sort of reward-seeking machinery. What do they feel the future of this research is going to do? As we mentioned, you know, they think it's going to help them study some of these uh, um, illnesses. Uh, and, but, but how do the researchers feel about it so far? You know, anytime you're um, dealing with experiments that involve animals, um, there are a lot of ethical questions that get raised, including especially the animal welfare questions. You know, does the animal suffer? And in this case, the scientists said that they saw no evidence that the uh, rats were suffering either seizures, anxiety, or, you know, any maleffects from the human cells that were injected into them. But th this is sort of an initial experiment. And um, my guess is that it will become a more common technique. And the more common it becomes, I think, the more questions that will be raised and will need resolved. I think the potential is very tempting because it could offer such a laboratory for studying uh, human brain disorders. Mark Johnson, science reporter at The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, 
take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I would think, oh, that doesn't sound too glamorous. That's not going to attract anyone. But actually, that may attract people more than spending tens of thousands of dollars on a new kitchen, for example. Joining us now is Veronica Dagger personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Veronica. Thanks for having me. Well, the housing market is very topsy-turvy right now. It's starting to cool down uh, after the crazy time that was going on during the pandemic. Somebody would list a house and there'd be bidding wars. Sales of the houses were, you know, way over asking price. You know, that has started to cool now. And we're obviously we're seeing mortgage rates pushing 7%. It's really high right now. But still, People have to sell homes for what a variety of different reasons. And, you know, a lot of times they want to remodel a property so they can avoid cutting a price. But there are some projects that pay off more than others. So, Veronica, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing out there and, and, and which renovations are the ones we should be going for. You raise a really good point. Because a year ago, you could pretty much put anything on the market, a house that needs a lot of repairs, and you pick the bidding war. But now that's not buyers are a lot more choosy, partly because they can't afford what they used to afford because of the mortgage rates, as you said. And not every repair a seller is going to do is going to give you the same return on investment. So for example, uh, some of the top three interior remodeling projects with the highest return on investment are hardwood flooring, new wood flooring, and an insulation upgrade. And that's according to a recent nationalization of realtors report. So it's really funny because you would think, oh, that doesn't sound too glamorous. That's not going to attract anyone. But actually, that may attract people more than spending tens of thousands of dollars on a new kitchen, for example. Yeah, I mean, that insulation upgrade, right? That's going to pay off in so many different ways way down the line when your energy costs and all that. So that's a, an important one. But the hardwood finish, you know, uh, I mean, uh, refinishing and the hard new hardwood flooring, um, someone put it in there. You know, you got to focus a lot of times on the very visible things, the things that are going to 
catch the eye of the new prospective buyer because, you know, a lot of times people are going to go in and start changing stuff themselves anyways. But if you catch their eye with something nice and shiny, boom, you know, that might help. And, you know, just to kind of illustrate the point. So between mid-July and mid-August, 95% of home sellers made updates or repairs before listing their properties. That's up from 71% about a year ago. So everybody's already getting on this and they spent an average of $14,000, just a little bit about a little bit above $14,000 on these things. Sure. So they're spending about 14000 bucks, as you say, and they're doing things like a fresh paint job. Something like a fresh paint job, like painting your walls white or an off-white can attract a buyer because, first of all, it makes the space look bigger, but it also helps people picture themselves in a space. You know, if you have these very specific colors, like dark colors or very specific furnishings or really flashy kind of furniture or decorations, that's going to turn off buyers. And that's what real estate agents tell me because it's going to look very specific to the seller's taste. Mm -hmm. Buyers don't want to see your pictures lying around. They don't want to see your clutter (laughs) lying around. They want to be able to say like, oh, I could see my family sitting in this room or having dinner in that room and not have the seller's paw prints all over the place too, obviously. Going back to the hardwood flooring thing, just because it's an interesting number, right? So refinishing the hardwood flooring, it has a 147% cost recovery, meaning you're going to recoup that much more over whatever it costs you to put in. By comparison, a kitchen upgrade, 67% cost recovery. So picking and choosing those right projects is really important. And, you know, the curb appeal in the front of the house, right? You had a story about um, somebody who was thinking about what to do. Should I put in like the drought resistant look or should I just put new sodding in? And, um, you know, the cost was completely different going on both options. Right. For example, uh, they looked at putting the sodding in and it cost about $4,000. They were also considering this desert landscape with rocks and that was going to cost about $10,000. But the real estate agents in that case said, you know what, I don't think it's going to be worth it. It's not going to look as nice. It may not be as appealing to buyers. You know, and they're living in California, this house that was for sale. And they said, you know, I think I feel funny about having the only house on the street with a green lawn in the middle of the drought. However, I am the one person trying to sell my house and this may help attract buyers. And so I'm going to spend the $4,000 instead of the $10,000 to look a little bit different from my neighbors and attract buyers. And so far, hopefully it's working. It's a little early in the process for them, but we'll see what happens. And another thing to consider is the time delays that things that these things could put you on, right? If uh, materials aren't coming in, things like that. I mean, it could a project can delay you, you know, make you miss your deadline for putting things uh, for listing your house. Uh, yeah, that's another thing to consider. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you want to say, oh, I, I think it would be great if we put on a deck or, you know, a, a new kitchen or some other big project like that. But if you're waiting, given supply and labor shortages, if you're waiting for a contractor to finally call you back, I mean, this can really delay your time frame as a seller. And so you really want to think about that before you invest your time into something and your money that may not give you that payoff and mess up your own plan for moving. Veronica Dagger, personal finance reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. 
Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts